the restaurant and lodging industries in 2024. Let's go to the bench. Legal news, information, and interviews from the South Carolina defense law firm, Collins & Lacey. Offering defense for construction, trucking, retail hospitality, professional liability, and more. The views expressed by guests are not necessarily that of the law firm, its management, or employees. This is The Legal Bench. And welcome to The Legal Bench. I'm Michael Burney, Director of Business Development for Collins and Lacey Defense Attorneys in South Carolina. What are the top issues on the minds of restaurant and hotel owners as we look forward to 2024? Collins and Lacey President and Chair of our Retail and Hospitality Practice Group, Christian Stegmeyer, spoke to a special guest at the South Carolina Restaurant and Lodging Association's Marketing and Operations Conference. And we're delighted to be hosting right now Susan Cohen, who is the President and CEO of the association. Susan, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for being here and thanks for having me. Well, I know today is a busy day for you, and like I said, we, we didn't want to hold you too long, but we wanted to take advantage of seeing you, and uh, we wanted to just talk, uh, just ask a couple questions and uh, get to know you a little bit more, as well as talk about the association a little bit. Um, how'd you get your start in restaurant and hospitality? So, again, you're going to make me age myself, but way back in the 80s, I actually ran the hotel side of the association, the South Carolina Hotel and Motel Association, so how often do you hear that term anymore? Um, and as I was leaving that particular position, I worked very closely with the Restaurant Association, so we merged and became the Hospitality Association. It was that for years. Um, Eventually, John Durst took over, and the name was changed to South Carolina Restaurant and Lodging, but I had been in and out of the board and executive committee for the association for many years because I primarily worked on the hotel side, but in, again, marketing and development. I worked for a company out of Charleston, and uh, so it's, it's been a lifelong uh, connection with either tourism or hospitality, and my husband's in the hotel industry, so it was easy to slide back into this position when John retired. Oh, that's fantastic. Now, with your current role as president and CEO, how long have you had that role? Just two years. All right. Yeah. What are your primary responsibilities? What do you have to do on a day-to-day basis? Well, a day-to-day basis can change, actually, pretty significantly, depending on whether the legislature's in session and the just tremendous amount of meetings and travel we do around the state. We do have about 11 chapters around the state, so we meet with them. Most of our issues in South Carolina are fairly statewide, but there are some significant differences in, say, what Myrtle Beach might be experiencing and then here in the upstate in Greenville. So um, we do make that connection and try to talk with them to understand. But advocacy truly is probably the most important thing we do, but that can also cover just a myriad of things. We could be advocating for more workforce. We could be advocating on a legislative issue. We could be advocating for um, our education system to recognize and develop more hospitality positions. So it's, it's, a, it's, it's a fun job. You never know what's going to happen, but we've got a lot of challenges right now still. So how large is the uh, membership at 
this point in time? Um, a little over 2,100. Um, we are very fortunate to have very active national partners as well. So some of those partners on the restaurant side are, in fact, national chains. But we find that we still are serving a small business operator regardless. It could be a, a McDonald's or any other you know, franchise name on that property, but there's still probably a single owner member of your community. So a small business owner, even hotels for that matter, can be a one-off small business owner. So you're herding a lot of cats. I, I am. <laughs> I am. So let's talk about uh, current climate here. What What do you, it's a very general question and you can answer it however you like. What are the biggest challenges and opportunities facing the restaurant and lodging industries in South Carolina right now? Sure. Well, in those meetings I was talking about around the state, three things came up as the most important across the board, regardless of where we were. That was um, first and foremost on both sides, restaurant and lodging was workforce. We are still very short uh, and looking for new pockets of individuals to either bring them back into the workforce, bring them into our industry, and then build that workforce all the way down into the high school level through our ProStart program up into like our tech schools. Have We have some fabulous tech schools with culinary programs and some hospitality management. And then um, on, depending on which side you're on, um, the two additional issues that consistently came up were... Um, being able to uh, acquire and afford liability insurance and then also short-term rentals and what that dynamic is doing to our hotel industry. You talk about a hot button with, uh, concerning short-term rentals, Airbnb, the, uh, any, all the vacation platforms. Uh, I imagine that creates an enormous amount of tension, uh, especially, uh, obviously, on the lodging side. So, a lot of people are surprised to hear us say we're not against short-term rentals. Um, they've actually been a part of the tourism industry in South Carolina for decades, but we call them vacation rentals. You know, someone's second home. Um, as that industry grows, we have a lot of very good professional operators who are handling that, and they do utilize the platforms, as you mentioned sometimes. What really sent us into a tailspin in South Carolina was that we opened fairly quickly, well, very quickly, to be honest, after COVID. So people still wanted to travel. They had cabin fever. They were looking for a place to go. We have great outdoor activities with golf, oceans, lakes. So South Carolina was very attractive, but they still weren't as comfortable going into a hotel with multiple other families. So there was a boom in people investing, and I use that word intentionally, investing in short-term rentals. These are not that original feel-good sharing industry, rent my room, rent my garage apartment, my basement apartment. This is literally investment groups, individuals, international investment groups who came in, bought property, and turned them into de facto hotels. So they are 100% commercial properties serving the same guests that we are competing for, but they don't have the same safety requirements, inspections, um, any of the things that we deal with. And 
not necessarily because they are trying to avoid it, but there's a lot of confusion when you talk to these owners about who is responsible for collecting and remitting taxes. And even at the platform level, that is an inconsistent entity. So if you're looking at accommodations tax collected from all of our hotels that has been since the 80s reinvested in the tourism industry, now you've got potentially half of our visitors staying in short-term rentals and not contributing back into that funding. Additionally, going back to workforce, one of the problems with workforce is we can't find affordable housing. That's all being sucked up into this, you know, frenzy to buy a, 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 a rental and, and put it into a commercial property. So that on top of lots of areas were not really following their own zoning. And so a lot of these folks ended up in a traditional neighborhood with families next door who went, wait a minute, I don't, I don't want a different uh, renter staying next door to me every day. I have kids. I'm, I, I came here to be in a neighborhood. So it's really a multifaceted um, yeah. situation that a lot of people don't think about. A lot of second and third and fourth order effects from uh, Airbnb and all these different platforms. Um, there's no easy cure. You've seen in New York City now they've essentially legislated them out of uh, existence. It, it's very much a national issue. When we go to the national lodging meetings, it's in every state. A little bit different nuance. We, we hold up Arizona as the poster child. They passed a, a bill about 2017 and said, hey, we're not regulating it. This is your property. You should be able to do whatever you want. They had so much negative impact. They have completely reversed that position. Even their legislators will proactively reach out to their counterparts in other states and go, don't do what we did. I mean, look at us. You know, we really messed this up. So, yeah. Wow. Well, let me ask you the, the last question here. Um, as we're heading towards the end of the calendar year, we're starting to think about uh, what's going to happen in 2024, especially being a big legislative year, an election year. Uh, what are some of the association's top goals uh, for 2024, especially as it relates to uh, legislatively? Yeah, legislatively, of course, being in that second half of the session, um, of a two-year session, we're somewhat prepared for what's going to happen. You can always have something new slide in. Our probably most concentrated, biggest efforts will be on liability. Um, and I say that in a general term. It will be on the impact that our system of joint and several, a very modified joint and several, plus in the hospitality industry, a mandated million dollar minimum coverage, which most of our our carriers would have had, or, or our members would have had, but just like anything else, you put that minimum there, everything goes up above it. Um, we have had so many egregious um, verdicts and awards and people who really were very minimally involved in incidents having to foot the bill uh, for those who were probably 80% involved. It's just the way our system plays out in certain scenarios to the point that where we previously had up to 40 underwriters who would cover liability insurance for our industry. Now we 
are hopeful that we have somewhere in that three to five range. And as you can imagine, supply and demand, so their premiums have skyrocketed. And I mentioned earlier, small businessmen who are just trying to make ends meet and with all the additional uh, workforce, uh, cost of product, and now this insurance, they really are on such a slim margin that they're trying to decide whether they're going out of business or, or not. We talk about that constantly with uh, the folks that we represent, uh, operators both large and small. Um, I shared with you before we got going, uh, just a claim that's made on uh, a policy, even if there's no liability, no culpability, that claim in and of itself is creating havoc You know, with folks' experience, and uh, it's making them uninsurable. And it's becoming a real problem. And you know, I think conceivably in the next five or 10 years, if things don't change, if there isn't legislation out there that helps hospitality, uh, the ability to go to a bar or a restaurant and have a have an alcoholic beverage, it's going to become very limited to the, the largest of operators who are otherwise self-insured. Um, and as you've shared with us, the majority of the folks in hospitality in South Carolina are the smaller business folks. And uh, we've got to do everything we can to protect them. Right, right. And it's not just a hospitality issue. We, we are part of a coalition with uh, everything from general contractors, truckers. Um, it, we we are all feeling the pinch, and it will affect South Carolina as an economic development issue. The state chamber is involved in, in trying to resolve this issue. The governor has brought it up in the last two of his State of the State addresses. So um, I think people are a little bit uneducated, and they think we're trying to not pay a victim. We are very much in favor of a victim being compensated if they have been wronged. What we're not in favor of is creating that second victim by making someone who was minimally, if at all, involved have to, as you said, have this charge against their record and maybe even pay a settlement just to get out of it. And now they are uninsurable. Um, so it, it's, it's a very complex issue. We, uh, we are certainly up against a strong group of trial lawyers that are very heavy in our legislature. Um, so it's an uphill battle, but we, we hope that folks will really sit down and think about the impact of it. Susan Cohen, President and CEO of the South Carolina Restaurant and Lodging Association. You've got your work cut out for you. I do. But thank you so much for spending time with us this morning. Thanks for having me. You've been listening to The Legal Bench from the South Carolina defense firm Collins & Lacey. Learn more at collinsandlacey.com.